On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we will look back at a shocking week in the NFL in which the Kansas City Chiefs cut their 23-year-old Pro Bowl running back, Kareem Hunt, after a shocking video was released on Friday from TMZ that showed Hunt kicking, shoving, and pushing a woman. We will have on the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy to talk about where the Chiefs go from here and what answers he expects to find in his backfield. And then on Sunday, the Green Bay Packers, for the first time in franchise history, fire a coach in season. And not just any coach, but a coach that helped them win the Super Bowl. We will also be joined by Charles Woodson, who won a Super Bowl in Green Bay, playing for Mike McCarthy, as Woodson looks back on what type of coach McCarthy was and what went wrong during his time in Green Bay. And we'll be joined by the ESPN NFL researcher, Evan Kaplan, who previews week 14, a big week in the NFL. But first, we start with the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, an offense that's been nearly unstoppable this season, a man that has helped lead it along, Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Eric. What's up, Adam? How you doing, man? Long time no speak. <laughs> I know. Our relationship spans back 28 years by my count. It goes back a long ways. <laughs> I, I remember you when you were the rushing machine, Eric. And you, you know what? And you, I, Adam, I don't know if people, you were a great college running back, a great college running back. Well, I appreciate that, but that was that was many years ago and many pounds ago too. <laughs> so, are you telling me you you still couldn't go out there and, and, and get us a hundred on Sunday? I got two carries, two carries. One may go for four plus, and the other one I might just a hey, take a knee. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what was it like the whole weekend? The whole weekend and going through everything that happened, leading into Sunday, having to play a game like that. What was that whole experience like for you, Eric? You know what? We've, we've prided ourselves here as an organization, Coach Reed, uh, our president, Mark Donovan. I mean, our whole entire organization is just making sure that we eliminate distractions and keep moving forward. I thought our guys, I thought our players did an outstanding job of just staying focused on the game plan and staying focused on what we needed to accomplish. And that was just to come away with a victory, however we needed to get done in Oakland. And what did you think of the way Spencer Ware and Damian Williams performed against the Raiders on Sunday and the way you'll need them to perform going forward into the future? One thing I thought about both those guys, obviously being with Spencer, we knew Spence would rise to the occasion. But just knowing those two with the attitude and the determined mindset that they both play with, I thought they did a heck of a job. Now, they'll both tell you, hey, you know what, we may have left a play or two out there. But one thing I always look at is what are those what are those guys doing when the ball is not in their hands i thought the two of them did a great job of picking up some blitzes and then on top of that just the second effort runs and the second effort plays that they made you know proud of them and understanding hey you know what this is their role next man up mentality we keep it moving forward what is the biggest area eric where you've been impressed with patrick mahomes you know what one thing i and and i've i've said this since day one First of all, his, his, his ability to recall everything. I mean, his vision. He sees it. He can tell you exactly 
what took place on whatever particular play you ask him about. He can tell you exactly what coverage. If he made a mistake, he can tell you, hey, I probably should have went here because the safety was there or this guy was playing this type of technique. His recall is unbelievable. But also, too, just his competitive spirit. I mean, he's a fun-loving kid that loves to compete. And on top of that, Chef, it's one of those deals that, hey, you know what, if he can go play in the parking lot every day and, and for, for, I don't just to say, hey, for bragging rights, he would love mm-hmm. to go out there and do that. You know, here's how somebody in your organization described it to me this morning. They were saying that during the offseason, he was making throws that reminded people of Aaron Rodgers. But the throws he was making on Sunday against the Raiders are some throws that not even Aaron Rodgers could make. What do you think of that? <laughs> You know what? I I will say this. The kid has been impressive his entire – I mean, this has been a fun ride, obviously. We see a lot of different things that take place in practice. So when he makes those throws, I mean, obviously it's still impressive. And you're like, wow, okay, we we need to come up with a drill for that one, an individual drill. But uh, watching him make certain plays and make certain throws – it's 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 pretty amazing to watch. Now I hate to compare, and I've seen one guy do that before, but obviously we've seen that guy uh, who wore that Minnesota uh, jersey for a couple of years, and he wore it in uh, with the Packers for a few years. But uh, we've seen that guy Brett Favre make those type of throws. I don't want to apply that pressure on Pat, but I will say this: it's been an impressive, fun ride so far. That's who he reminds me of, but I actually think he's got the chance to be even better. You know what? Uh, the the sky is the limit, but it's just a week-by-week deal, and it's early in his career. So I don't want to put too much on it, but I also don't want to take away anything that he's accomplished because the, the kid, is a, he's a great kid, and he's a humble kid, and he works at it. He understands what it takes to be a professional at this level, and I think that all stemmed from having the opportunity of learning from Alex and how he approached the day-to-day lifestyle of being a, a professional. But, you know, he's 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 taken that by a whirlwind, and we're just excited, you know, because just of the day-to-day process, you know, what's next, you know, you know, how do we how do we move forward? By the way, Eric, I think you may have been the first coach to refer to Favre as that guy that used to play in Minnesota for a couple of years because he played a lot of years in Green Bay first. <laughs> I like I like Brett when he was on our team when I was in Minnesota. So I didn't like Brett very much when he was playing for Green Bay. So, and I love him, and I respect the hell out of him. But I thought he was a much better player when he played for us in Minnesota. That's just me being biased. What is the weekly game planning like with Andy Reid, a coach you played for with the Eagles? You know, Coach Reid has a brilliant mind. He's One thing I've learned from Coach is to always remain flexible. And in order to expand, you always want to stay a step or two ahead of everyone and what they're, they're, they're thinking around the league. And so that's been one thing that I, that I love, the creativity, the conversations that we have, and just the way we study and we approach and we piece it together. Uh, it's been amazing. I mean, um, obviously he's a fun he's a he's a fun loving guy he's it's almost like working for your dad <laughs> but uh it's it's like i said it's been an amazing experience eric you played nine seasons as a running back in the nfl for the chargers the bengals the eagles uh you went and coached in college at your alma mater colorado you've been with the chiefs since 2013 running back coach from 2013 to 17 offensive coordinator this season who has had the biggest impact on your coaching style 
you know what that that <laughs> I've been very blessed and fortunate to play for a number of great coaches and to also work with a number of great coaches. You know, obviously that stemmed from high school, obviously, uh, playing at a high school that took a tremendous amount of pride in raising young men, young kids to be men at Bishop Mont High School out in La Puente, California, then having an opportunity to go and play for Bill, Coach Bill McCartney at uh, the University of Colorado, and then just having different people having uh, 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 an effect, an impact on my life from being a professional football player, Coach Sly Kroon, Coach Jim Anderson, uh, obviously Coach Reed, Ted Williams, and then having an opportunity to work with a number of college uh, college coaches over the years and, and uh, professional head coaches. So I've been very, very blessed and fortunate to, to, to work with a number of people, but also to study from them and also to have that ability to sit in that room and just to observe and see how they how they approach the day-to-day operation. So I can't complain at all. How much has your current job with the Chiefs put you in a position to interview and land a head coaching job this or any offseason? Well, one thing I will say, Adam, is that, first of all, I'm a very humble uh, individual. I, I take every day as if it's by far the most important day. So if anyone feels that I am uh, in a position to be uh, interviewed, I'm grateful and honored, and I'm ready to move forward. But understanding that, hey, you know what, in this position, there's plenty of hats that you have to wear. And I think that being in this role has prepped me to be a head coach. I've been around the game for a number of years. But more importantly, I've been around good people who have helped prepare me to be at this, to be in this position that I'm in. You know, when it's all said and done with, hey, you know what, our job, our focus right now is to focus on the day-to-day operation. And that's to get ready for the Baltimore Ravens and making sure that we're doing all the necessary things that we need to do in order for us to have the impact on the season that we want to have. But other than that, whatever's supposed to happen will happen. And let me add two cents to that, some friendly two cents here. You've got Mm a 23-year-old quarterback that we both agree is special. What is the rush? What is the rush to go leave? Like, (laughs) if and when something comes along, great. But you know what, Eric? If it doesn't come along this off season, it'll come along the next off season or the off season after that, because that's what the great quarterbacks have done over time. They have continually placed people in other jobs. It just happens that way. The results that they have, look at all the people that have come out of New England as a result of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And last year we saw Matt Nagy come out of Kansas City because of Andy Reid and Alex Smith. And now it'll be the same for years with Andy and Patrick Mahomes. So your opportunity is coming. It's just a question of whether it's now or next year or the after. And that, to me, is the great advantage that you have because you get to sit back and wait because there's no rush for you to leave what is a tremendous opportunity with a really good organization right now. Well, I appreciate that. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I feel very blessed and fortunate to be in the situation that I'm in. And like I said, Shefty, it, it's, it's good to be placed in that role and it's good to even be talked about in that sense. But understanding the day-to-day operations, it, it, we remain focused here. We're going to focus one day at a time, one play at a time. And like I said, the rest will take care of itself. A couple of other things before I let you go, Eric. How many people use Chris Berman's nickname, Eric Sleeping with Biennemi, the first time they meet you? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's something that happens pretty often. Does it? But uh, Oh, yeah. It, it, it's kind of ironic because uh, – 
uh, Chris Berman was here last week, and he always brings up that uh, that nickname. And that one thing I will say, not too many people are fond of that. Uh, I shouldn't say not too many. People love it. My wife is one of those that says, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not sure if I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> My sources tell me, actually, that Chris Berman was seated in an interview last week with one of your star players, and the interview got cut short, not because the player had to go somewhere, but because the head coach wanted to have a little dessert with Chris Berman. <laughs> you know what? I don't know anything about that rumor, but I do know this. Hey, when when food is on the table, we, we as a staff, we love to make a rush towards it. <laughs> Before I let okay. you go, Eric, this season's been such a tremendous success so far. Has any of this surprised you, and where do you think this is all going? You know what? Um, I, I will say this. It doesn't surprise me because one thing that we've learned together collectively as, as an offensive staff, as a team, is to hold each other to a higher standard. The accountability on this team has, has is it's unbelievable because these guys are committed. They understand what consistent and disciplined work ethics uh, mean. And on top of that, not just playing the game, but understanding the importance of playing for one another. These guys enjoy playing for each other and they love making plays for each other and they love sacrificing for one another. So when you have that dynamic, the sky can be the limit. So obviously each and every team, all 32 teams come out with one goal, one mind, uh, one mindset, and that's to win the Super Bowl. So obviously that's our goal, but we know in order for us to obtain that goal, we got to focus on the day-to-day grind and, Wherever the season is going to take us, you know what? The only thing that we can control right now is today. And so today is by far the most important. And whenever the season comes to an end, you know, it comes to an end. But we're going to focus on today and make the most of that. You know, you played in one Super Bowl, Super Bowl 29 in 1995, which was the first Super Bowl that I ever attended. What would it mean to you to win a Super Bowl and even win it with a guy like Andy Reid, who's also never won one before? You know what? Obviously, it, it it would mean a lot, and I always share the story with guys. Is you know what? I, I, I just like you said, I've been to the Super Bowl, and uh, I went once as a player, and I was in my fourth year, and I thought that I would have another opportunity early in my career to get back to the Super Bowl. So you think about that. That was a nineteen that was a nineteen ninety four season, okay? And I have not been back to the Super Bowl since. So. To give you a great perspective, yes, I would love an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. But on top of that, we would love an opportunity to to bring Kansas City a Super Bowl. We would love to bring this organization a Super Bowl, the city of Kansas City. And also, just for the sake of of Coach Reed and each and everything that we put into it. So, obviously, that's important, and that's the goal. But in order to to obtain that goal, we got to make sure that we continue taking care of the day-to-day operations that need to be handled. There have been a lot of droughts that have ended in recent years. You see like Boston and the Red Sox and Philadelphia and the Eagles. And it's always a great celebration when a city that has suffered for a long period of time finally wins a Super Bowl. And Kansas City suffered for a long period of time. I can only imagine what a celebration there would be like. You know what? I will say this, too. We've gotten a, a great dress rehearsal watching the Kansas City Royals win. So I know one thing, our guys have been inspired watching them over the years. And I know that's been a few years now, but uh, this city is they're they're ready for that. And you know what? Hopefully we can help them to uh, to share that goal with us. And of course, the Cubs in Chicago, there are a lot of them that you, that oh, you yeah. can say, right? You're exactly right about that.
Hey, Eric, I really appreciate you taking some time. It's nice to reconnect. Good luck the rest of the season. And perhaps we'll get the chance to see you down in Atlanta this year. Well, uh, you know what? That's the goal. And hopefully we can obtain that and, and we'll see. But, Shefty, I appreciate it. And I greatly appreciate your time. And it's always good talking to you. We'll be back in a moment with Charles Woodson. But first, I want to talk to you about Peter Millar. I used to be the type of guy that just opened my closet and grabbed whatever was hanging there. Then I got my first Peter Millar polo. It was a game changer. Now my closet's filled with nothing but Peter Millar. The more Peter Millar clothing I own, the more impressed I am. Everything's incredibly comfortable. From the feel to the look, Peter Millar's clothing is better. The stitching, the buttons, the zippers, the attention to detail puts them in a league of their own. I have Peter Millar polos, sports shirts, quarter zips. All look great, make me look sharp. I can go from work to dinner feeling great and looking even better when I'm wearing my Peter Millar. Head over to PeterMillar.com slash AS today and experience the quality for yourself. You'll see some of my favorite styles from Peter Millar. Be sure to use my link and you'll receive complimentary shipping and a free hat. That's PeterMillar, M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash AS. PeterMillar.com slash AS. Charles, thank you very much for joining us. Yes, yeah, all good. No problem, man. The news comes down on Sunday that the Packers fired Mike McCarthy. You won Super Bowl forty five with Mike McCarthy. You played in Green Bay from 2006 to 2012. What was your reaction to the news, Charles? I guess I was a little bit surprised, you know, being that it's, uh, you know, the Green Bay Packers, um, you know, them not typically, you know, making moves like this, you know, during the season. You know, they're always looked at, you know, as the standard in the way that they do things, always try to do things, you know, in a respectful manner. Um, I figured that they would have waited to the end of the season uh, before they fired him. But I guess, you know, a loss to, to the Arizona Cardinals yesterday was the last straw, I guess. How do you think of Mike McCarthy as a head coach, being that you played for him as long as you did? Well, I thought he was a good head coach. I mean, he's a championship head coach. You know, that's the one thing about it that you can't take away from him. Uh, we were able to win a championship. I felt like, you know, there was an opportunity to even win more there, you know, while I was there. Um, I look at the fact that, you know, I don't put, you know, their woes all on McCarthy. You know, I feel like during, you know, my time there, I feel like there was a, you know, they always used to go by the draft and develop, you know, philosophy. I felt like there were moves, you know, during my tenure there that we could have made to, you know, bring in some free agents to bolster our roster. You know, I remember a time uh, before Marshawn Lynch went to Seattle, we had an opportunity to make that happen and not have to give up a whole lot uh, to get Marshawn, but for whatever reason, we didn't make that decision. So I think there were some things that could have been done along the way as far as, you know, personnel to bring guys in to help, you know, McCarthy. Um, his staff and that team win games and, uh, you know, things weren't done. So with that said, I do think that with the offense, um, being an offense that's pretty much been around that whole time, you know, when you look at the Green Bay offense, there's not a whole lot of, you know, creativity to it, especially by today's standards and what people are doing. You know, their guys, when they line up on offense, you know, they're pretty much in one one spot and they stay there and you rely on Aaron Rodgers to drop back and, and, and make all of the throws and get you out of every jam. You know, you rarely see, you know, the one-two stacks or trips bunch and those sort of things. So I do think the, the offense became a little bit outdated, and I think that the Packers are looking at that and saying we got to 
you know, bring somebody in who can revolutionize their offense and, um, you know, help Aaron Rodgers out a little bit offensively. Charles Marshawn Lynch, the beast mode in Green Bay, that would have looked nice. Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers and beast mode in the same uh, backfield? Oh, my. I know I imagined I know I imagined it, you know, many a night, you know, until it was until it didn't happen, you know. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I feel like there was some opportunities missed my time there where I felt like, um, you know, there was an opportunity for us to win more than one championship. Anybody else besides beast mode that stands out to you that you felt like the Packers were talking about bringing in, talking about drafting, a player that could have been there that left you wondering what might have been? Well, I think that I think it was more along the lines of, um, um, and really no names in, in specific because you know it's hard to remember so many names. But I mean, we would have guys in camp that uh, you would watch them perform, and and they were, um, you know, really talented players um, that they would bring in. But you know, because they maybe weren't drafted there um, or had you know been drafted there and been there some time, that they were still hanging on to those guys to see if they could. You know, get whatever out of them. Um, you know, a lot of times it didn't come to fruition. So I just think there was a a, a lot of you know transactions during that time where um, we just held on to a guy waiting around, you know, to see what he was going to be, rather than you know keep a guy um, and then send him on to to another team. Charles, you mentioned that the offense in Green Bay hasn't had a lot of creativity. The offense is outdated. Is Aaron Rodgers the same quarterback today that you play with during your time in Green Bay? Well, I just think when I when I watch him, it seems like there's a um, you know a level of frustration you know with with Aaron when I watch him play. You know, he just doesn't. Uh, you know, I said this on last week's show that he doesn't seem like he's he's having the fun out there on the field um, that I'm used to seeing him out there have. Um, and you know, I just think that you know he looks around, you know, the, the NFL, and he sees all of these um, these offensive systems, you know, putting up you know 35, 40 points a game. And he wants that, you know. I, I truly believe he, he wants he wants to do that, and but not have it all have to be necessarily on his shoulders as a drop back quarterback and making things happen with his legs and being the most accurate passer outside of the pocket. You know, let's have, um, you know, I believe he would like some of these offenses where he could get the ball out quick, um, you know, uh, up tempo, up and down the field, um, and, and 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 things of that nature. So. I just think there, there was, there's a, a, a level of frustration, you know, with uh, Aaron, and uh, we'll see what happens with whoever else they bring in. You know, it's funny. I'm watching the game on Sunday, and my brother-in-law is texting me asking for Packer updates, and I said, it looks like they are playing with no energy, and it starts with the quarterback. He looked like he just was indifferent about being there to me. Like, he just looked lifeless. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think that that's exactly what I was seeing and why I said that. And maybe, you know, I'm not in that uh, locker room anymore, but maybe that's what, um, you know, the board and the GM were seeing as well, that maybe there was something there, you know, between A-Rod and uh, Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, we had heard some of the press conferences where it seems like Aaron was taking some shots at Mike and, and some of his comments. And, uh Maybe that it just came to a head, and uh, you know, you just paid Aaron, you know, a hundred million dollars. He's not going anywhere, um, and I think it's one of those cases where somebody has to go. And uh, this time, it was uh, Mike McCarthy's turn.
Charles, the Heisman Trophy is going to be awarded on Saturday. Who in your mind is going to win the award? Is it Tua or is it Kyler Murray or someone else? Yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, when you speak of those two names, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a, a two-man race between those two guys. Um, both of them, of course, have spectacular seasons. You know, Tua, of course, uh, not playing in many of the fourth quarters, you know, this season, which kind of uh, bolsters his, his chances a little bit because you would think that, hey, if he played in fourth quarter, his numbers would be even better. But I found something you know, interesting just looking at the, the comparison of the two is that if you just take the three three quarters and no fourth quarters of those two um, candidates, you know, Kyler Murray comes out ahead on that. So wow. um, we'll, we'll, we'll see, man. I'm, uh, you know, I got till five o'clock, I believe, to turn my ballot in. And <laughs> it'll, it'll probably be one of those two. You have not turned in your ballot yet as of the time of this taping. It's coming. And will you be there Saturday night in person to congratulate the newest Heisman winner? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's an honor to be there. You know, now that um, you know, I'm no longer playing in the NFL, you know, I can make these trips. And uh, I've been able to go to the last couple. And, uh, yeah, it, it's great to, to be up on that stage and hear the announcement uh, of the winner and being able to congratulate those guys as they walk up that stage, you know, to be uh, inducted into that, that, that prestigious fraternity. Charles, whoever wins on Saturday night, how will winning the Heisman change their life? Well, no matter what they do, where they go, uh, what's going on, there'll always be, you know, a Heisman Trophy winner. They'll always be regarded as the best player in college football for that particular season. Um, and that that won't go anywhere. That won't change. And, uh, you know, it'll be um, an incredible journey. It'll be fun for those guys as well to come back, you know, when they have the opportunity to come back to the ceremony and just um, um, just kind of be there amongst all of the past former great Heisman Trophy winners and be in that atmosphere, and uh, they'll be able to enjoy that the rest of their lives. And then they'll also have the responsibility of casting the vote. Hmm. You know, they'll be one of, one of the few guys that's able to uh, vote on uh, the next Heisman Trophy winner, and, and, and all of us take great pride in that. Charles, I also know that you take great pride in this new charity that you started, 2 Plus You, hashtag 2 Plus You. What can you tell us, the listening audience, about 2 Plus You? Well, 2 Plus U is a campaign um, that myself and the University of Michigan uh, kicked off on November 12th. Now, I've, always, I've, I've, I've had the Charles Woodson Clinical Research Fund um, since uh, 2009. Um, so we've, we've raised money, money over the years uh, for my fund, which is all about research. Um, so this, 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 um, this campaign that we're doing is, is just to continue to grow the fund. And what it does is, you know, for research scientists who are in the early stages of their development or, you know, maybe a, a, a potential cure um, or a way to make someone's life uh, easier or better, um, this is the seed money that's given to them to help them kick it uh, or get it kicked off the ground um, in an effort for them to, you know, get more money from you know, maybe the NIH, uh, National Institute of Health, uh, gain more money from them down the way. So we're kind of the Kickstarter for the researchers and their development. And where can people donate if they're interested in doing that? You go just go to the hashtag uh, two plus you, and uh, you'll be directed to a link to where uh, to where you could donate five, ten, 
15, whatever amount of money uh, uh, donation you would like to give, um, you could do that. And uh, what I would say is that uh, this is for, you know, pediatric research, and pediatric research is one of the most underfunded uh, research departments that there are. So um, that's our angle. Uh, that's what we're going for is pediatric research, and we appreciate everyone's help. Charles, I appreciate taking some time today. Congratulations on the work that you're doing for your charitable organization. Enjoy the Heisman ceremony on Saturday night. And again, appreciate it. We'll see you in studio on Sunday for Sunday NFL Countdown. Always good talking to you, Adam. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. We'll be back in a moment with Evan Kaplan. But first, I want to tell you about Vivid Seats. Football fans, you know me best for breaking news around the league. Speaking of, I recently received a tip. Vivid Seats is offering ESPN fans... 10% off football tickets, but you have to act fast. Head to VividSeats.com and enter promo code ESPN at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Vivid Seats is the official ticket partner of ESPN, and with their 100% buyer guarantee, there's no reason to miss a game this year. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. So head to VividSeats.com, get off the couch, and get into the action. Your team needs you. Cap hit. All right, week 14 of the NFL season, and that means we bring back our good friend, our colleague, ESPN NFL researcher Evan Kaplan to give us some numbers and insights from behind the scenes of week 14. Evan, how was your trip to Philadelphia Monday night? It was good, Adam. Uh, Eagles getting back in the NFC East race, Redskins 6-6, six and six, so we'll see what happens down the stretch in that division. They look pretty finished right now, Washington, don't they? Yeah, the quarterback injuries are tough to come back from. And the Eagles, uh, with that schedule, I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll get to something coming up uh, that, that some fans might find interesting. Before we get into the numbers, having seen the Eagles last night, how do you size up the Eagles and Cowboys this weekend? Well, you look at the Eagles and 6-6, six and six, a game behind the Cowboys in the NFC East, but the defending Super Bowl champions still control their own destiny to win the division. Now, before we even lay out that scenario, it won't be easy because you look at their upcoming schedule at the Cowboys in Week 14, at the Rams, and then home for the Texans. So you're playing three of the better teams as they're playing right now in the league. But you look at how it shakes out. If the Eagles were to go down to Dallas and win in Week 14, they would have the same record as the Cowboys. If they both finished at 10-6, and six, the Eagles would have the divisional record tiebreaker with a better record within the NFC East. And they would be, interestingly enough, the first team to repeat in the NFC East since 2003 and 2004 when wow. the Eagles did it. That's a division we see every year with the turnover. Yeah, every year it does change over, and the Eagles are trying to repeat. And you mentioned the schedule, very, very difficult. The Dallas Cowboys schedule... I don't think quite as difficult as the Philadelphia Eagles. If you break down the Cowboys schedule here, down the stretch. Yeah, no, that's correct, Adam. And you go back to the Eagles. They have the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL based on their opponents' records. So just on paper, it's the toughest. You look at the the opponents, and like you said with the Cowboys, at the Colts, probably their toughest game on paper besides this Eagles game coming up. Yeah, Dallas' schedule down the stretch after Philadelphia this Sunday at home, at Indy, home for Tampa. At the Giants. So, if Dallas can beat Philadelphia, at Indy's a tough game. They should beat Tampa at home. They should win in New York against the Giants, frankly. I would probably go as far to say is that if the Cowboys win this game in Week 14 against the Eagles, they're, they're probably winning the NFC East. I think that's fairly safe to say yeah, based I, on the schedules. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, we also have a matchup this weekend of top five scoring offense versus a top five scoring defense. How do you size that up, Evan? 
kind of a look at the the league as a whole as we move more towards the uh, the kind of offensive age in the NFL. Uh, the week 11 Monday night game, Chiefs Rams stands out with both teams scoring in the 50s. And there have been 10 games since week five when you match up a team that's in the top five in scoring offense and a team in the top five in scoring defense entering that game. Now the offense won out early, seven of the first eight. But in week 13, we saw the defense make a little bit of a comeback. We saw that great defensive performance by the Cowboys against the Saints. And then the Chargers went into Pittsburgh, L.A., with a top-five scoring defense entering the game and beat the Steelers, who had a top-five offense. Now, we we understand the Steelers scored 30 points, but the Chargers only allowed seven in the second half. So defenses in the NFL still have something to be said. Two games that fall into that category this week. Really interesting uh, to see what happens there with Ravens, Chiefs, and then Rams, Bears on Sunday night. Two great game. Rams Bears Sunday night. I didn't realize it was a Sunday night game. I'm going to be watching that one. Yeah, that one got flexed a few weeks ago, I believe. And yeah, that, that's as good as it gets. I mean, because there you have the, the scoring offense going into one of the top defenses in the NFL in Chicago. That's a good one. In the cold at night. Have fun with that one, LA. That's a tough one. Absolutely. All right. We have plenty of similarities between the Rams and the Bears. Sure. Speaking of that game and, and we've got, two of, if not the two best defensive players in the NFL on the same field. And it's interesting, we talked about those players throughout the month of August leading up to the season with with what was going on with them, with with not showing up in training camp. And then you look at how their seasons began and, and very closely aligned. Aaron Donald signed his extension with the Rams right before the season, August 31st, September 1st. And the very next day, Khalil Mack was traded to the Bears and signed his extension that paid him just over what Donald was making with the Rams. So you look at from a defensive perspective, there's similarities. And then you look at the head coaches, Sean McVay, the youngest head coach in the NFL, Matt Nagy, the third youngest. And you look at innovative offenses. And then finally, the quarterbacks, Jared Goff, who obviously struggled in his rookie season back in 2016, made the step in his second year in 2017. And we've seen some similar things with Mitchell Trubisky this year, obviously before the injury, but... Hopefully we'll see him back in the next few weeks. And my sense is we will see him back here on Sunday night against the Los Angeles Rams. He's been getting better and better. I didn't think that they thought he would miss much time beyond the game Sunday, having lost the game with this being a primetime game. I bet we see Mitchell Trubisky back in the starting lineup. All right. How about the Patriots, Evan? This is usually a time of the year that New England gets better. Uh, can they clinch their division in Miami on Sunday? They can. With a win, they will clinch their 10th straight division title, which is really just hard to believe in this age of parity in the NFL, but that will extend their NFL record in terms of most consecutive division titles. But as they head to Miami to play the Dolphins, that has been a place where Brady has found it tough to win throughout his career. Now, 7-9 and nine there, certainly not a terrible record, but when you put in perspective Tom Brady's incredible career, that's his most road losses against any team. The only team he has a losing record against on the road that he's faced at least five times. And if you look at the Patriots in Miami the last five years, they're only one in four in those games. So the Dolphins are still in the thick of the AFC wildcard race after that, that late win against the Bills in week 13. So an interesting game within the AFC East. All right, Evan, we know that the top two seeds are always important with the buys, and it looks like the Rams and the Saints and the NFC. Mm-hmm. What about the AFC picture for those top two seeds? The AFC is really interesting. You've got the Chiefs at 10 and 2 and then three teams at 9 and 3, the Patriots, Texans and Chargers. Now, 
Quick thing on the Chargers, they still play the Chiefs again, but Kansas City beat them earlier this season, and they have a two-game lead in terms of a divisional record. So it's going to be tough for L.A. to win the division. But you look, Patriots-Texans, same record. Patriots beat the Texans in Week 1, so they have the tiebreaker head-to-head there. And you look at the importance of a top-two seed, and it's become more and more critical in terms of getting to the conference championship recently. Since 2012, 18 of the 24 teams to play in the AFC or NFC championship were a one or a two seed. The Texans and Patriots kind of similar schedules going down the stretch, not too difficult. We'll see how that shakes out. I think I think everyone assumes the Patriots will get it, uh, but uh, Texans are right there, and then the Chargers lurking as certainly a formidable five seed first wild card. However, you want to look at it. It's that time of year, Evan, right, where we get to break down playoff matchups, see coaches who are fired every single week. It really is. I mean, and and going back, just one last thing on that Rams-Bears game, that that could be a playoff preview. That, oh, that's yeah. a game we could easily see divisional weekend if the Rams win the NFC North, then they go to L.A. Uh, on the second weekend of the playoffs. But you could see Ravens-Chiefs. Absolutely. That, would, that wouldn't be a surprise to see if that were a playoff preview. I don't think Cowboys and Eagles would be a playoff preview. I don't think that both of them are going to get in. Right? No, I don't think so. And I don't think that Miami makes it, although the Dolphins have had a commendable season so far. So we got a few potential playoff previews this weekend, but we'll see how the rest of the week 14 shakes out. Evan, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. And so a special thank you to our friend, our colleague, ESPN NFL researcher Evan Kaplan for that insightful preview of the week 14 games. A special thank you to our other colleague, Charles Woodson, who will join us again on Sunday NFL Countdown and provide a great perspective on what has transpired over the course of the past week with the Green Bay Packers. And also, somebody who I covered in college football, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, and what many don't remember, the former University of Colorado star running back, Eric Bieniemy, as the Chiefs get ready for another big game this week against the Baltimore Ravens. And thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Please join us again next week and have a great week, everybody.